0: Welcome to Exhibition and Xbox Podcast, episode number 34. My name is Samuel Adams, and each and every week I am here to dive into the biggest Xbox news you need to know from around the industry. And today we've got kind of a mix, a bit of PlayStation news in there, some PC news in there, a hybrid of the two. And of course, I am going to be discussing the God of War launch on PC and some numbers that show why this was a fantastic choice for the team at PlayStation that is now basically following in the footsteps of Microsoft when it comes to PC launches. On top of that, we're talking about the future of Halo Infinite because we have a new event on the way starting next week and some big changes to the store. Stalker 2 has been delayed pushing a Big Game Pass game further into 2022, and we are going to be discussing some other big games coming out in the year ahead. So without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into it. Let's kick off today's show by digging into this post on the Xbox Wire titled The Most Anticipated Games of 2022 According to Team Xbox. This, of course, is coming from the Xbox Wire, which is directly from the Microsoft team. So take everything that's said here with a grain of salt, but it's still interesting to see the insights into what the team is looking forward to in the year ahead. And we're discussing this because a lot of people have been talking about PlayStation's 2022 versus Xbox's 2022 and comparing those lineups. And right now, Admittedly, PlayStation has a stronger lineup coming in the year ahead, with Horizon Forbidden West, a new Gran Turismo game coming out, and God of War Ragnarok rounding out three massive games that millions of fans are going to be looking forward to, especially after the release of God of War on PC just a couple of days ago, which we'll talk about more in a moment. But looking towards Xbox, you have Starfield, which is a very big release. On top of that, you also have Redfall, which is certainly getting a lot of eyes on it. Uh, And you have the new Forza Motorsport 8, which has not been officially confirmed for 2022, but it's supposedly coming out in holiday. And so comparing these two lineups... If you look back on 2021, Xbox had an incredibly strong year with two huge releases in the holiday season in the form of Forza Horizon 5 and in the form of Halo Infinite. And those two games cater to a lot of different people. Halo is tied directly into the Xbox as a brand and as an entity, and Forza is largely as well. And both of those games are very accessible. You dive in, you play Halo, you shoot some stuff, you're good to go. Forza, You don't really have to understand cars to enjoy the game. You just dive in, pick a dune buggy, and launch it over some hills. It's as simple as that. Looking into 2022, Bethesda games, especially a huge RPG like what we are getting with Starfield, it's not going to be as accessible as just diving in and playing a couple of games of uh, an arcade style FPS in Halo or diving in and playing a couple of matches in The Eliminator in Forza Horizon. It's going to take more time and investment. On top of that, Redfall hasn't really proven itself because it's a brand new game on the scene. It's a new franchise. And of course, it's in development from a very respected studio. But again, it's going to be kind of a co-op based game where you get four people together, and you slay vampires. It's not necessarily going to be something that's as accessible for single players like myself. It's going to be accessible, but to what end? In the same way that Aliens Fireteam Elite is accessible for a single player, because that experience is much better with a squad. And so when you consider these things, uh, and then you look to Forza Motorsport 8, where that is a very simulator approach, you are much better off understanding cars uh, and understanding how to take those turns and enjoying that professional kind of racing atmosphere. These games just aren't going to have the mass appeal of last year's games. Then turning towards PlayStation, you see Horizon Forbidden West, you see God of War Ragnarok, and you see Gran Turismo. And in many ways, Gran Turismo is kind of in the same boat as what you have with Forza Motorsport 8, where it is a simulator-style approach, hardcore fans are going to enjoy it, but Gran Turismo itself has never been a huge, you know, breakaway seller for PlayStation, in the same way that Forza Motorsport 8 doesn't sell as well as Forza Horizon. And so considering those two games and taking them out of the equation, looking towards Horizon Forbidden West and God of War Ragnarok, that's the core of PlayStation. Like that is just as much PlayStation as Halo and Forza are to Xbox. And so it seems like we're kind of taking turns here where 2021 Xbox dominated with PlayStation not really showing much at all, but now PlayStation in 2022 is bringing a ton to the table. And so bringing it back into this blog that we're discussing here, Xbox's 2022 is going to be defined by a couple of big additions to Game Pass in the form of big AAA first-party releases. We're talking about Starfield and Redfall in particular. On top of that, third-party partnerships in the form of timed console exclusives like Stalker 2 and potentially Tunic, which I can imagine coming uh, to other platforms as well, also make sense, and they also continue adding value to Game Pass. And then you begin to see the mindset behind what Xbox is doing with Game Pass, with the additions of the Mass Effect trilogy and the Hitman trilogy, which again we'll talk about more in a moment. Uh, But these big gets for Game Pass to add more value into the service are what will continue to carry Xbox through 2022. And I don't really have a problem with that. In fact, looking back on the launch of these consoles, both the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X and S, It was a lighter launch than what people are traditionally accustomed to. There were a couple of games here and there in terms of console exclusives, but especially on the Xbox side of the fence, Halo got delayed by an entire year, and really the big enhancements that many games got, like in the form of Forza Horizon 4, were what defined the launch of a new console generation in the same way that there was this cross-generational upgrade uh, for games like Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. And looking back on that, I enjoyed 2020 into 2021 more because I had more time to enjoy these games and to dig into their systems and to play multiple seasons of Forza Horizon 4 in a row where that was the only thing that I was playing because it was really the only thing that I wanted to play. Being able to have more time to dig into these games and being able to go back and see what's new in the newest season of Halo Infinite when that stuff wraps up in about three months or so, which is still a huge long life cycle for that. Uh, But being able to dive in and grind through weeklies in Battlefield 2042 or check out what's new in the latest season of Forza Horizon 5 or even dive into some little small hidden indies on Game Pass uh, throughout the spring and summer seasons. That isn't necessarily a bad thing. We don't continuously need to have this churn and burn of new titles coming out month after month, because while some people have time to enjoy these things and to play for 10, 11, 12 hours a day, the majority of people might play for two, three hours at a time, max, maybe even an hour or two here and there. It's not going to be something that is a necessity for them to have a continual flow of new content. Uh, And I think that this gives Xbox much more time to prepare for 2023. Looking forward, I have Fable at the top of my list for most anticipated games uh, when it comes to stuff that has really no defined release date. And those kind of experiences are what are going to be really exciting. Uh, Now, I'm sure there are going to be some surprises up their sleeve when it Comes to the E3 style season, the summer game fest, if you will. Uh, Grounded 1.0, I know I've heard rumors of that thing being launched sometime this year. Hopefully that's the case because uh, the team at Obsidian has been working on that for a good long while in early access, and it seems like it's got a good bit of polish. Uh, But the whole point of this conversation has been to show that PlayStation is going to have a strong year, and Xbox's 2022, depending on your interest, might not be as strong as 2021. But it doesn't always have to be, because there is a continual flow of games coming out. I mean, looking through this blog, you have Elden Ring, you have Destiny 2 the Witch Queen, you have a playtale Requiem, uh, on top of games like Starfield and Redfall, and then plenty of other indies like Tunic, which is one of my most anticipated games of the year, and one that I am going to be lucky enough to review over on Game Skinny if you want to check out some of my written articles. Uh, But third party is really going to be beneficial for 2022 when it comes to Xbox, and of course Game Pass is going to continue bringing more of those games into players' hands in the form of even this Rainbow Six extraction launching in just a couple of days. So overall, we've got tons to look forward to in 2022, even if that first-party lineup may arguably not be as strong as 2021, but that's just my two cents. You'll have to hit me up on Twitter or on YouTube comments to let me know how you feel. Now let's jump over to the PlayStation side of the fence for once in this Xbox podcast and talk about the PC release of God of War. Now I've seen reports that this port was in development for about two years and that quality shines through because you have tons of options for how to customize your PC experience, high frame rates, high resolutions, everything is there. And this is pretty much the ultimate experience for any God of War fan. And I absolutely adore this game. It's probably in my top five games of all time. It is just the perfect way to do a reboot while honoring the classics and paving a new way for these games going forward. And of course, Ragnarok is going to be the conclusion of this specific set of experiences, this specific story uh, when it comes to Kratos and Atreus. But the reason that we're talking about it here is that this marks one of the first big, huge releases for Sony on PC. We've seen a couple in the past, but none on the same level as God of War. So, looking at the concurrent player count, a 24 hour peak is also the all time peak of 65,356 concurrent players. And I say that not to show how large that number is, because some people will look and say X game did so much better. There are millions of players playing Fortnite right now, whatever it might be. That's not the point, because those aren't one to one comparisons. The point here is that there are 65,356 people playing a 2018 game that is one of the best games of all time that may not have been accessible to them before. On top of that, it continues providing value to this piece of content that Sony Santa Monica has created. Because as time goes on, no matter how good a game is, it will kind of get forgotten. It will kind of be left behind. I mean, in the same way that Halo's servers were shut down earlier this week on the Xbox 360, those games were not as populated as they were back in their heyday. And that could be said for God of War as well. And so being able to bring this back and not remaster it, but just bring it to a new audience is opening up an entire new group of people to what Sony Santa Monica has done in the story of Kratos and Atreus, and to some degree, this can work as a sales tool for Sony. Let's say they continue doing this kind of delayed, staggered release for PC ports of their games. Somebody might say, I loved God of War on PC. Looks like I'm going to have to buy a PS5 and play Ragnarok later this year, because I cannot wait for this story to wrap up. And even if they choose not to do that, they can still wait for that game to come to PC as well, because after this level of success, it makes sense for Sony to continue bringing these games to PC and continue porting them over, because again, it just gives them more bang for their buck. Games aren't cheap to make. These are millions and millions and millions of dollars and thousands of people coming together to make this happen across marketing and development and all of what have you not. Uh, But it is such a big part of the future of gaming to be able to be where people are, to meet your customer where they're at, whether it be on PC, whether it be on mobile, whether it be on a console itself. That's where you have to be. And that's exactly what Sony is doing here. Now, this is kind of following in the footsteps of what Microsoft has been doing over the past few years. Uh, And you see a pivot away from console exclusives into this kind of platform-level exclusivity, where you still have console exclusives that can only be played on Xbox in the console space, but that are accessible on the cloud and on PC. Uh, And you saw that with Halo Infinite and Forza Horizon on day one, and those player numbers just continued to rise. That's the ultimate goal here, is to get more people playing these games and to make them fall in love with these franchises. And it seems like Sony is finally getting turned on to that idea, where you can expand and bring Uncharted games to PC like we're seeing, uh, and get more people interested in Nathan Drake, which will ultimately sell more merch, sell more consoles, get more movie tickets sold. Uh, All of that is coming together to build something greater, to become greater. I think that's one of their slogans, actually. Uh, But Ultimately, what you need to know is the God of War is doing very well on PC, very high all-time player count for what the game actually is. You know, it's not a huge multiplayer FPS. Again, this is a narrative-driven single-player adventure game, uh, and it is a great one at that. And so it's great to see thousands and thousands of people diving in, and I would expect this uh, all-time peak to push even higher over this weekend as more people wake up around the world on Saturday morning after working all week and say, hey, time to dig in God of Wars on PC. Let's check it out. But uh, awesome to see PlayStation games coming to PC, and it makes me want to push off buying a PlayStation 5 for now, because I would rather get a better PC, build one in a couple of years, and dive back in when God of Wars on sale once again, when Ragnarok and Horizon Forbidden West potentially come to PC, uh, and to check that out. And I think that these ports are continuing to improve. Of course, we saw uh, Horizon, the original, uh, come to PC and the port was not as good as it could have been. I think they've kind of ironed out those issues. And of course, since opening this publishing arm in PlayStation PC, they have focused on improving quality uh, and quantity, clearly, as more games come to the services. Uh, But exciting times nonetheless. So looking forward to diving in on God of War on PC in a year or two. Jumping over to some Halo Infinite news, we've got two stories back to back, so buckle in on what you can expect over the course of the next couple of weeks. First and foremost on the roster, improvements to Halo Infinite store starting next week. And yes, we are talking about price adjustments finally. This story comes from Xbox Air's Austin Nelson, who writes, quote, Halo Infinite's multiplayer is exceptionally fun to play, but one of the biggest complaints surrounding the entire experience is the Games Cosmetic Store. The store is currently selling a variety of items that are too expensive for what is being offered. Jerry Hook, head of design at 343, broke down what will be changing with the store starting next Tuesday. Quote, We've been monitoring the discussions on the shop, bundles, and pricing closely since launch. Using data and community feedback, we are going to begin rolling out changes to how we package and price items in Halo Infinite, and it all starts next week. Starting on Tuesday, the shop experience will vary week to week. We are focused on reducing pricing across the board, providing stronger values in our bundles, and starting to put individual items outside of bundles and more. We will be trying new things throughout the rest of the season so that we can continue to learn and improve for the future. Please keep the feedback coming during this process, and I hope to see you all next week for the Cyber Showdown event. We'll talk about that more in a moment. So if you haven't been keeping up with the conversation online, Halo Infinite store is packed with weapon charms and skins and color schemes and all kinds of things, cat ears I'm sure you've seen floating around online, uh, and cosmetics of that nature, but They normally come in bundles that roughly run you about 20 real-world dollars. That's more than I'm willing to spend on any given Saturday, whenever I'm scrolling through the store and say, hey, cool, cat ears, I'm not going to spend like 15 bucks on that. And of course, that could be an exaggeration. Uh, You see some that are cheaper than others. You see these bundles that are about 20 bucks, you see some stuff that's five bucks. Uh, But in general, I would be more willing to spend $3 every couple of weeks than spend $20 all at once. That's kind of the way that I approach things. And I could want one specific thing from a bundle. For instance, I love weapon charms because I see them during my gameplay. Whenever I die, I'll see my Spartan, but that's only for 10 seconds at a time, you know, 20 to 30 times a match. Uh, but whenever I die, that's only when I see my Spartan, unless I'm in a loading screen. Uh, now looking to the weapon charm thing, like I said, it's there all the time. So I would be willing to collect every one of those that's in the game, or just even buy uh, the Master Chief version, or uh, Mr. Chief, I should say, that came out a couple of weeks ago. I want that kind of thing, but I'm not willing to spend 10, 15, 20 bucks on getting access to that. Uh, But the other part of the conversation is that this is a free-to-play game. This is something that people don't have to pay for. Uh, And I think that goes overlooked in the core community that has Game Pass Ultimate. I think that whenever you forget that this is a free-to-play game... It's easy to think that, hey, this $60 game in some people's mind, confusing with the campaign, is now asking me for $20, $30, $40 a week to get these cosmetics. Uh, And that's just simply not the case. So, the team at 343 has to strike an important balance of continuing to generate income and continuing to support this project and to continue supporting the development team and development of the game itself uh, but also making something that's accessible and something that isn't pricing people out of purchasing these experiences Uh, and i think it's incredibly important to get that right because a long-term positive monetary system a long-term positive monetization pattern generates more income over time. Like I said, I'll spend 5 bucks a week, 52 weeks a year, if stuff is cool enough and if it's priced appropriately. Now, I might not get something every week, but I'm sure as hell going to be more willing to spend something that's more affordable like that rather than dropping this pretty, you know, impressive sum of cash on something that I only might want one part of. But on top of that, it's the perfect time to dive back into Halo Infinite if you might have logged off for a while because the Cyber Showdown event is on the way and you can see a nice little teaser up on the official Halo Twitter account. Uh, But in short, you can pretty much expect the exact same experience we got from the Fractured Tenai event that came a couple of weeks ago and you see it continuing through the first chunk of February. Uh, But new cosmetics that are earnable, uh, these are normally free to play experiences that are alongside the Battle Pass. So it gives the those players that might not want to spend the 10 bucks on the seasonal battle pass, something to grind and something to enjoy. Uh, And these kind of seasonal experiences, these random events are important for getting those players into Halo, giving them something to earn. Because if they start to enjoy the grind and they enjoy the gameplay, uh, then they are more likely to dive in and give the full game a shot and spend more time playing this free-to-play multiplayer. And that could win over 10 bucks from Fortnite into Halo Infinite or 10 bucks instead of purchasing the $40 Battlefield 2042 season pass. You can bring that over and buy four seasons of Halo Infinite. Makes perfect sense in that regard. Uh, But it's cool to see these events continuing, and the cosmetics look to be kind of branching out. Uh, You see, they kind of have a uh, Tron style approach, a very vaporwave style approach to these cosmetics. You see a spiked mohawk. You see a very cool visor in the promotional material. Uh, So awesome to see. And again, I will be diving in on Tuesday, January the 18th. Uh, but between the store updates and this new event, Halo is certainly moving in the right direction, and I think that speaks to the team listening to feedback and really taking it to heart because unlike what happened with Battlefield over the course of the holiday season, the team at 343 listened to feedback and they were active in responses. Battlefield has continued their multiplayer con- or discussions, I should say, on social media since day one they're teasing new maps they're kind of providing backstory but they aren't providing a roadmap as to what's changing and they aren't addressing player concerns 343 on the other hand is talking about the adjustments that need to be made and proactively making these adjustments on the fly very very quickly they're moving quickly to make this game what it needs to be and i think that's really making the difference when it comes to public perception uh, which ultimately defines the success of a game in 2022. So with all that being said, Halo Infinite's looking great, and I can't wait to dive in next week and earn some of those free cosmetics in this new Cyber Showdown event. We have been talking a ton about games coming to Game Pass over the course of the past few weeks, and once again, we have a very big trilogy hitting the service. And no, I'm not talking about the Mass Effect Legendary Edition. I'm talking about Hitman Trilogy, which comes to Game Pass next week at launch. This story comes from Jared Moore over at IGN, who writes, IO Interactive has announced that the Hitman Trilogy collection will be launching next week, and it's coming straight to Game Pass. IO Interactive is combining all three of its Hitman games into one single package that fans will be able to get their hands on next week. Officially launching on January 20th, the collection will be available for fans on PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Series X and S, and on PC through Steam and the Epic Games Store. However, that's not all. For those of you currently signed up for Xbox Game Pass, there will be no need to purchase the game separately as the studio has also announced that the trilogy will be coming to the service on day one. This is a ton of content and you can see from these screenshots posted on IGN, it's a beautiful game uh, and one that many people have fallen in love with over the course of the past year since Hitman 3 came out. uh, But since the relaunch of Hitman as this kind of new trilogy that really brings Agent 47 into this modern day kind of setting where Previously, it was Hitman Absolution that kind of defined the franchise. And now it's these three games that are really bringing a lot to the table. Uh, and I think this is something that is going to be very welcome and at home on Game Pass, but it also gets more people into the fold and it gets more people to enjoy these games. I've been wanting to dive into Hitman 3 because I saw it on multiple game of the year list uh, and I just never got around to it. So to be able to dive in and give it a shot uh, sounds fun to me currently I'm trying to start up Mass Effect. I started playing it earlier this week, but I got sidetracked with Life and Weekly Challenges and Halo and Battlefield and Forza and whatnot. And so I have to get back to that one. But plenty of stuff to play right now on Game Pass. And it's a good thing Hitman's coming because Stalker 2 has been delayed. Of course, this was one that was coming out in pretty much just a matter of weeks at this point. Uh, But it has now been pushed to December of 2022. And the game is undergoing additional thorough testing and polishing. This comes from Samuel Tolkien. Over at Windows Central. Stalker 2, Heart of Chernobyl, is delayed to December 8, 2022, GSC Game World confirmed via Twitter on Wednesday. Stalker 2 was previously slated to arrive on April 28, 2022, meaning that it's been delayed by around seven months. Quote, these additional seven months of development are needed to fulfill our vision and achieve the desired state of the game, the update explains. The developers added that the game is undergoing thorough testing and polishing, and that more of the game will be shown later in the year, so players can expect additional updates before launch. If I had to guess, I'd say you're going to be seeing more around the E3, again, summer Game Fest season, uh, but this is obviously always going to be the right move, and Stalker 2 specifically is kind of looking to be a graphical uh, defining point for 2022. It looks beautiful. The gameplay that we've seen so far looks stunning. Uh, And it's important to get that game polished up. It's important to make it run and play as smoothly as possible Uh, because this is number one, a big Game Pass game, but number two, a big multi-platform game for the team at GSC, and it's their biggest game to date. Uh, There was a bit of controversy with NFT integration, so a lot of people are curious. Is taking that out proving to be more of a challenge than what the team might have originally anticipated? Is it going to be uh, difficult to bring that piece out of the puzzle and to put different assets in. I doubt it. But again, whatever time is needed to make this game as good as it can possibly be is exactly what the team should take. My question is, what does this look like in terms of exclusivity agreements? Because when a game is delayed, traditionally those agreements get pushed as well. Uh, So if the game was going to be a year-long console exclusive on Xbox, is the game now going to be coming out in December of 2023 on PlayStation consoles? Or is it going to be a six-month contract? And I'm sure they are negotiating that behind the scenes and trying to figure out what happens. Or that could be baked in, uh, kind of like a prenup, if you will. Uh, You know, if things go wrong, and there has to be a delay, here's who gets what. Um, so that should be interesting to discuss over the course of the next few weeks. But no matter how it shakes out, great addition to Game Pass. And again, I hope it's good uh, because this is one of my most anticipated games of the year. I love that kind of uh, post-apocalyptic style adventure and Stalker 2 is certainly bringing that. Um, who knows, could be, give me the chance to go back and play through the original once again. Uh, but we'll see when this one actually comes out. I think with a seven month delay, the December 8th release date is pretty much set in stone. And hey, that's one year since the launch of Halo Infinite. So a good day to launch another good game. Now to round out today's show, something that I discussed on a YouTube short earlier in the week. If you don't already follow me or subscribe on YouTube, you absolutely should, because I'm posting shorts each and every weekday, sometimes on the weekends, talking about the hottest gaming news, sharing gameplay clips, tons of stuff like that. Definitely worth the subscription, if I do say so myself. And of course, hey, It's free. Just add me to the feed. Uh, But I discussed this. Microsoft has discontinued all Xbox One consoles. Actually, they did this a while back. This ended in 2020. There has not been a new Xbox One made since 2020. We are on year two of no new Xbox Ones. And this makes perfect sense for tons of different reasons. Uh, A lot of people also compared this to the news that the PlayStation 4 would continue to be produced throughout 2022. Uh, And I think that also makes sense, and we'll talk about that more in a moment. But before the launch of the Xbox Series S and X, it was important to ramp up production to get as many new consoles into people's hands as possible. Because the Xbox One as a brand and as a name had been kind of soiled. The One X redeemed it in a lot of different ways, but people were ready for the Series X and S. No one wanted a new Xbox One, so why should people keep making them? On top of that, If you were to get an Xbox One X, which was the pinnacle of gaming on a console at the time for that generation, uh, you would get something that was in many ways less powerful than an Xbox Series S, and on top of that, that actually ended up costing more. So it made more sense to focus those production efforts on an Xbox Series S production line, uh, because it again, more affordable and more powerful in a lot of different ways. Not hitting a 4K resolution, but definitely hitting higher frame rates, HDR, and all those next gen bells, and whistles that will continue to provide value in the years ahead whenever Xbox One games cease to be made and development focuses entirely on next gen. Uh, On top of that, I'm sure there was an overabundance of Xbox Ones currently available because people weren't wanting them. They weren't buying them. Uh, And so if you find a new one right now, just keep in mind, that's probably one of the last new Xbox Ones you'll see for quite some time. But it's also important to mention the other side of the fence. PlayStation has chosen to continue PlayStation 4 production through the rest of 2022, I believe. Uh, and so looking at that fact... You have to understand that PlayStation and Xbox are at very different points. The Xbox Series X and S has seen a huge redemption for the Xbox brand, but PlayStation never saw a downfall. The PlayStation 4 is incredibly popular, and for those general audience members, for the players that just want to dive in and play Warzone or Rocket League or Madden or Call of Duty or whatever it might be, the PlayStation 4 plays these games. Is it the best graphical fidelity? Is it the highest frame rate? No, but you might not necessarily need that. And if you are ready to play something, especially during a pandemic when so many people are stuck at home and you head to Walmart or Target or Best Buy or GameStop and you just see a PlayStation 4 sitting there, for some people, that's good enough. Uh, Now, Xbox has a similar situation with the Xbox Series S where it's not the most powerful, but it, it gets the job done. And so... PlayStation has to focus on catering to those general PlayStation fans that still want to go into a store and say, hey, I need something to game on, there's a PlayStation. Because otherwise, Xbox takes up that entire shelf. If they focus entirely on PlayStation 5 creation and supply, they don't have anything to sell at all. So being able to offer a product is better than having nothing to bring to the table. And I think that's kind of where the mindset is with that one. I know as the chip shortage continues to improve, I think you could see the PlayStation 4 begin to wind down, but that ultimately depends on sales. It's still selling very well, so you have to take that into consideration. Uh, The Xbox One, on the other hand, totally understand why that one's gone. No one really wants one right now, and with the affordability and the power of the Series S, that's kind of taking that low-end spot. Now, the question is, could Sony make a PS5 Lite? I've seen that kind of name being thrown around. I don't think they'd go that route because they already have the digital edition and it's already difficult enough to produce that kind of stuff. And of course, then you have to think about development of uh, different tiers of a game like God of War, where you have to be able to scale that for specific uh, weaker or more powerful hardware. I don't think they would go for that. But the PlayStation 4 and 4 Pro, hey, could be a good option. I think they might have discontinued the Pro. Could be wrong about that one. Either way, PlayStation 4 is still being produced. Xbox One has gone the way of the road. Sayonara. You won't be missed too much, not gonna lie. But that rounds out this week's episode of Exhibition, and Xbox podcast, and I am very much so looking forward to the months ahead because I've been reaching out to tons of game publishers and developers to get them on the show, and I'm waiting on to more responses. I've heard back from a couple of other guest hosts as well to talk about Destiny specifically. Looking forward to sharing more in the weeks ahead on that one as well. Uh, but of course, thank you guys for checking out this episode of Exhibition. If you're new here, hit that subscribe button on YouTube or add the show to your podcast feed on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other services around the world. And to keep up with everything, you can follow me on Twitter at JamPackSam. But until next time, you guys have a fantastic rest of your week. I'll talk to you soon and keep on playing.